0: The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Good morning, saints. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn up, turn on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. This is going to be the verses we cover this morning in our preaching text. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Uh, again, this is, a in the original language, one long sentence that the Apostle Paul started back in verse 3. And he's going to land his thoughts on this giant single sentence here in these verses before us. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And this is what our brother in Christ, as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, this is what he wrote to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. Look at verse 11 there. He wrote, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that Well, this is our text before us this morning. It's these four verses, and what Paul's going to do is really uh, nudge us even further out into the deeps of the gospel. Um, our sermon, titled this morning, again, is The Gospel Deeps, and what we're going to be looking at is our inheritance. You see, the apostle used that language in verse 11 we have obtained an inheritance. And then down in verse 14, he talks about the guarantee of that inheritance as we see that sign, the seal, the delivery of the Holy Spirit for those who have believed in Jesus. So if you're into taking down sermon titles, again, the gospel deeps, we're talking about our inheritance. The main idea that the apostle would like us to grasp this morning, again, revolves around that idea of the spiritual blessings we have received in Christ And so the main idea is this, we have received the spiritual blessing of an inheritance in Christ. So what I'm going to do is pray, and then we will dive into unpacking these four verses before us. So would you join me in prayer from wherever you are watching this at? So let's pray. Father, we are asking that you would um, inflame our hearts even now Uh, to join in to this symphony of praise that Paul has been weaving before us. What lies before us in verses 3 through 14 are a, uh, a symphony of Trinitarian praise. Redemption planned by the Father. Redemption accomplished through the Son. This morning he's going to stress that idea of just our redemption, our inheritance that is applied through the Holy Spirit. All is to the praise of his glory. Praise, 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 praise is infused through these verses. So I'm asking, Father, would you help me, assist me to proclaim even now the glories that lie before us, the good news of the gospel of salvation, the inheritance we have from our living God, that we are his people, his possession. God, I cannot make our hearts praise. I don't own that power. But Father, you can draw us and humble us to that point of praise, and I'm asking that you would do so. So Holy Spirit, assist me, empower me to proclaim these words before us, and I'm asking even you, Holy Spirit, right now would open eyes to see Jesus' minds to understand the scriptures, the gospel deeps of our inheritance. It's in the name of the living Christ, our Savior and King, I pray. Amen. So here we are, right? Paul's nudged us out into the deeps, the deeps of God's glorious gospel. For eight straight verses over the past couple of weeks, what the apostle has been doing is he's been weaving this symphony of praise concerning our election by the Father and this redemption we have through the Son, through the blood. That's what we saw last week. And now, if you want to Think about these verses before us in terms of musical terms. This symphony of praise is coming to a crescendo. A crescendo as the apostle turns us to the inheritance that we've obtained in Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit which guarantees this inheritance that we have. Don't forget, again, you're going to hear me pressing on this a lot this morning, these verses before us, what is the purpose? The purpose of these verses are praise. Back in verse 3, we were told that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And the proper response to this blessing, Paul says, is for us to bless God. That is, we are to praise God in light of these spiritual blessings he has poured out on us. We truly have received every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so this morning, Paul wants us to glory in how we have received these spiritual blessings, specifically the spiritual blessing of an inheritance in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for the third week in a row, Paul would say this to us who are wading through these scriptures, being pushed out into the deeps of the gospel. If you can say about yourself, yes, I have been saved. I know I've been saved by grace, I know I've been saved through faith, and my faith has an object, my faith is in Christ and nothing else, then Paul would say, listen, here are two final spiritual blessings that are true about you. And the one that we see in verses 11 and 12 this morning is this, in Christ I have obtained grace an inheritance. In Christ, I have obtained an inheritance. Just look at how he talks about these things in verses 11 and 12. Look at what he writes. In him, that is in Christ, we have obtained something. What have we obtained? We have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, here it is, to the praise of his glory. According to the Apostle Paul, one of the indisputable spiritual blessings that we have in Christ is an inheritance. So the question is, what is this inheritance we have obtained? After all, if we have received something in Christ, we should want to know what it is we have received. So the question is, what is this? How can we think about this this spiritual inheritance? Now, the language that Paul uses here, it can sort of come at us in two different ways, trying to understand what this inheritance is. So there's one sense when we read that phrase, the inheritance we've obtained there's this one sense in which that comes to us that the inheritance that we now have is the inheritance of being part of God's people. So where we were once not a people in Christ, what we can say is we are now God's people. We get that sense in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Having been predestined for adoption, adoption into his family, what we can say is we are now God's possession because he has taken us to be his inheritance. The other sense is that in Christ, we have received a glorious inheritance. If you again go um, over into the book of First Peter, and you see there in chapter 1 verses 3 through 4, Peter talks about this inheritance that we have When he says, God has caused us to be born again. Born again to what? Born again, he says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, an inheritance that is undefiled, an inheritance that is unfading, being kept in heaven for you. So what you have is this sense is, yes, we have received an inheritance And simultaneously, what is that inheritance? That inheritance is the fact that we are God's inheritance. We have become his possession. So I think when you smush those two ideas together... In verse 11, when Paul says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, smushing these two ideas together is where you get the sense of what Paul is telling us. So what Paul is saying to us when he says, listen, here is the spiritual blessing you have in him, in Christ, an inheritance. What he's saying is, yes, in Christ, listen, you have obtained an inheritance. It is a glorious inheritance, an imperishable inheritance, an undefiled inheritance, an unfading inheritance. inheritance. that you have received, what is it? It is the reality that you are now God's inheritance. You are God's possession. You are a people, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a people for his own possession. That is the inheritance you now have in Christ. So the question should then become, well, how has that happened? What were the circumstances that took place that would lead us to be the recipients, the obtainers of this inheritance. How did we obtain the inheritance? How did we become a people possessed by God? Paul says it happened because of that marvelous yet mysterious interplay between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in salvation. You see, on one hand, Paul says, from a divine perspective, we have obtained an inheritance because, verse 11, we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. To be in Christ means we are now a part of God's new community And we are part of God's new community because of God's sovereign will in salvation. You go back to verse 5, what do you read? We are adopted, predestined into God's family, listen, according to the purpose of His will. Verse 9, We know the mystery of God's will. How? According to his purpose. And now in front of us in verse 11, we have an inheritance having been predestined according to God's purpose and the counsel of his will. Simply put, what Paul has been weaving throughout this symphony of praise is this truth that our inheritance in Christ was by the will of God. That's God's sovereignty in our salvation. But notice that woven right in along the threads of God's sovereignty and salvation, we read about man's responsibility as well. So, on the one hand, you have God talk, or Paul talking to us about this divine perspective, but then he says, Listen, but on the other hand, from a human perspective, we have obtained this inheritance because we have believed in Christ. You see, we see this hint of human responsibility, the human responsibility to believe the gospel in verse 12. When Paul says, we, that is, he and his fellow Jewish believers, he says, we were the first to hope in Christ. The implication there behind that action of hoping is that God didn't hope for them. They were the ones actively deciding, hoping on, hoping in Christ. Christ. So the implication, the hint there is this is something that Paul and those first Jewish believers were doing. They were the ones hoping in Christ. But it becomes even more explicit in verse 13, where Paul says this You also, now he's talking to the Gentile Christians, these Christians in Ephesus. He says, Listen, here's how you came to be part of this inheritance. You also heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, and what did you do in response to this hearing? You believed in him. That is, you believed in Christ. So while these verses extol the absolute sovereignty of God in salvation, they simultaneously stress the necessity of personal belief in the gospel. With no hint of contradiction whatsoever, Paul lays God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in salvation before us as friends. He does not pit them against one another as enemies. You see, some have a wrong idea about God's election in salvation. When they hear how God predestines according to the counsel of his will, It raises concerns in their mind, in their heart, about this this need for evangelism. Or for others, they, they hear about how God predestines according to the counsel of his will. And what it does is it begins to cast doubt on whether or not all are welcome to come to Jesus. But instead of concern, instead of doubt, God's election is actually meant to bring great hope, great hope to evangelism. If you go into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, what you find is the Apostle Paul in the city of Corinth. You find Paul in the city of Corinth, and what you discover is that he was discouraged. But as you're in the city of Corinth, and when Paul was discouraged, we find this recording of Jesus having this conversation, post-resurrection Jesus having this conversation with the Apostle Paul, and this is what Jesus said to Paul. He said, Paul, do not be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. Why? Why should Paul not be afraid? Why should he go on speaking? Why should he not be silent? Jesus says, For I have many in this city who are my people. In other words, Jesus is saying, Paul, listen, I want you to go into Corinth. I want you to keep sowing the seeds of the gospel. I want you to sow gospel seeds broadly. I want you to sow gospel seeds without discrimination. For some will believe when you go and do this work of sowing the gospel seeds into the hearts and the minds of people. What we read in Acts chapter 18 helps fuel the reason for why our invitation in the city of Springfield and beyond should be the exact same thing. We, too, are to broadly and indiscriminately invite all people to come and respond to Jesus. Our invitation should be, listen, we want you to come to Jesus. We want you to, like what we see before us this morning, believe in Jesus And when you come to Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, then what we can do is round the corner into Ephesians chapter 1 and say, Listen, when you come, what you can do is thank God from before the foundation of the world. He set his heart on you in love, predestining you into all these spiritual blessings that you have. Now, if you've just heard me say these things and right now your mind is being boggled, welcome to the club. These are the deeps of the gospel, are they not? But oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable are his ways. Friends, we may never understand these truths fully. But the apostle calls us to fully embrace them to the praise of God's glory. So this is our spiritual blessing in Christ. You and I have an inheritance. But a question we can ask is this. What's the proof that we will receive this inheritance? Is there a proof? If so, what is that proof? Just because someone comes and says to you, listen, you're going to inherit your rich uncle's fortune, just because someone says it doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. There needs to be some sort of proof that you're the legitimate heir, that he really was your uncle, that the inheritance should come to you, and these sorts of things. See, Paul would agree with this mindset that there needs to be proof, which is why he turns to this final spiritual blessing that we have in verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14 are the proof that in Christ, I have been sealed for this inheritance. I have been sealed for inheritance with the Spirit, This is that proof that we have obtained an inheritance, and that inheritance will come to us. You see Paul use this language in verses 13 and 14. Look at your copy of Scripture. Look at how he writes beginning in verse 13. He says, in him, again, that is in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the gospel, the good news, of your salvation, and believed in him, here it is, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So what is this last spiritual blessing about what does it mean? Paul tells us it means at least two things. The first is that in Christ we are sealed with the promised spirit. In Christ we are sealed with the promised spirit. From the Old Testament prophets up through the teachings of Jesus, both told us of the day in which the Spirit would be sent. There is this sort of looking forward, this telescoping forward, that there will come a day when the Holy Spirit will come and live within us. For example, you go to the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel told us how the Lord God said, I will put my Spirit within you. Ezekiel 36 verse 27. You go over into the prophet Joel, and the prophet Joel spoke that it shall come to pass afterward that I will, listen, pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Joel 2, verse 28. Fast forward to Jesus. And it was he who told us in the upper room discourse, if you remember towards the uh, the latter months of 2019, we were working through the upper room teachings of Jesus, and he touched on this idea of the promised Holy Spirit. He was the one who told us, listen guys, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. It's Jesus who told us also that I will not leave you as orphans because the spirit of truth will dwell with you and will be in you. So when a sinner, Paul is saying here, back in Ephesians chapter 1, so what he's saying is that when a sinner hears the gospel and when that sinner believes the gospel, in other words, believes in Christ as his only hope, her only hope of salvation, Paul says this person, this sinner who has heard and believed, this is the one who receives what God has promised. They receive the sealing of the Holy Spirit that was promised. I love the idea behind that word sealed. The word sealed in the original language is a really, really rich word. The idea behind the word sealed is to mark something. It's to brand something. So just like a farmer might come and take his cattle and brand them or seal them or mark them to identify them as his own, right? He's got a bunch of cattle, they're out in the field. How can I tell that that certain cow all these cattle are mine. He takes that, you've seen it in movies, right? He takes that, uh, that metal rod, sticks it in the fire, it's blazing hot, and he comes and he actually marks them. He seals them. He brands them so that everyone around can say, aha, I know to whom that cow belongs. It belongs to Farmer X. It belongs to Farmer Y. That's what's going on behind this language of being sealed with the spirit, marked by the seer- Spirit. So just like a farmer might go out and mark his cattle and brand them or seal them to say, this cow is my own, so God marks his redeemed people with the seal of the Spirit to identify them as his own. Only our seal is internal. Our seal is marked in our hearts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit spirit. You see, the spirit in us is the mark that we have heard the word of truth and truly believed in Christ alone for salvation. Do you know what this means? This means you can know you are in Christ if you have been marked by the Spirit. And praise God that throughout the Scriptures, there are signs given to us so that we can know we have truly been marked by the Spirit, Allah, have truly heard the gospel, and have believed in Christ. One chapter that explodes with this truth and maybe it's a chapter that you just go and chew on this afternoon, is Romans chapter 8. You see, if you go into Romans chapter 8, there are all kinds of marks of what a person who has truly believed in Christ, what their life will look like as a result of the Spirit of Christ, he says in Romans 8, dwelling within them. In regard to sin, Paul, who wrote Romans, says those who are marked by the Spirit will put to death the deeds of the body. So one of the ways that you can know that you are marked, sealed by the Spirit, have truly believed in Christ as your only hope of salvation, is there's now this new drive and desire within you, being driven by the Holy Spirit within you, to say, sin, I want to put sin to death. I don't want to embrace it. I want to see it eradicated out of my life. You go down a couple of verses later, Paul also says that in regard to our adoption, here's another way you can know that you have been sealed, marked, branded by the Spirit. The Spirit will bear witness, he says in Romans 8, with our Spirit telling us that we are children of God. You go over into another book that Paul wrote, Galatians chapter 5, in regard to just maturing as a confessor of Jesus, He tells us we will be led by the Spirit. And as we are led by the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. When these identifying characteristics begin to ooze out of us, what we can say is that the Spirit is doing this within us. We're not bearing the fruit of the flesh, but bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So what Paul would say here to us in Ephesians chapter 1 is just simply this. To be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and to bear the signs of this seal means you are truly in Christ. But notice that to be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit also means we can have assurance that God will keep us to the end. For the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So not only are we sealed with the promised spirit, we also have the guarantee of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that our inheritance will come as promised. And, says Paul, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he has redeemed us to be one of his people. The full and forever redemption of those who are God's possession, this will come to pass. And the proof that the full and forever redemption of being God's possession will come to pass is the deposit. It's that first installment. It's the down payment of the Holy Spirit living in you right now. The fact that God's redemption plan has been accomplished and applied, that you have heard the gospel and believed in him, and now the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you. This is the God of the heavens saying, this is my absolute guarantee that your full and forever redemption will come to pass, the Spirit living in you. And again, you just get this sense like Paul's about to fall out of his chair at the gracious good news of God's work of redemption in the heart, in the mind, in the life of a sinner. This brings great security. This brings great assurance to us as believers to quote one brother. and Listen, I thought this was a phenomenal, phenomenal line here. Oh, to be able to write one good sentence in my life. Listen to what he says here. To quote one brother. The wonderful assurance of salvation... So he's talking about the assurance that we can have, that we have been saved. The wonderful assurance of salvation for anyone who believes the gospel is this, the irreversible election of the Father, the irreversible redemption of the Son, and the irreversible indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is Trinitarian praise This is the Trinitarian beauty of our great and living God working to redeem sinners. And Paul says this should land on you with a giant, oh yes, this is good. The security and the assurance that we have in our great God in regard to this gospel of salvation that has been applied to our lives. So where does this leave us? Where does this leave us? Well, I think it leaves us with only one option, and it is the absolute last phrase in this symphony of praise, and it's this, to praise his glory. It's to praise him. It's to worship him. You see, when the deeps of the gospel grip us, they will produce a worshiping people. For the past couple of weeks, I have... Um, strive to help you understand what it will look like for a person in their everyday life when the gospel deeps grip us heart, soul, mind, and strength. What we said is that it will produce a holy people. We said it will produce a humble people. Last week we said it will produce a loving people. And I think here at this last phrase, to the praise of his glory, Paul says, when the gospel deeps grip you to the depths of your soul, it will produce a people who worship. Just think of all Paul has said about the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. We are chosen for holiness in Christ. We are predestined for adoption in Christ. We are redeemed in Christ, forgiven in Christ. In Christ, we are part of God's cosmic plan to unite all things in him. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. And now in Christ, we have the seal and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. So whether you're a new Christian or whether you're a seasoned Christian, Whether you're an old Christian or a young Christian, a struggling Christian or a suffering Christian, what Paul is saying, these are your blessings in Christ according to the immeasurable riches of God's grace. These wonderful blessings are meant to stir our hearts to serve him. They're meant to open our mouths in praise to him. So whenever we're feeling sorry for ourselves, or whenever we're going through difficult times, or whenever we find ourselves being persecuted for our faith in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, what they're meant to do is remind us, remind us of how extravagantly blessed we are in knowing Christ. And it's meant to elicit out of us praise, praise of his glorious grace. Praise of his immeasurable riches. Praise to him who redeemed us through the blood of Christ, forgiven our sins, sealed us with the Spirit according to his plan before the foundation of the world so that we might be with him forever and eternity, praising his name, praising his name, praising his name. Paul says these are your blessings, Christian. They are your blessings. So as we close this morning it has got two questions for you, and here are the questions. The band can go ahead and start coming up and getting ready, but it's these two questions right here. Will you praise God, and will you come to Jesus and believe in him for salvation? Will you praise God? Believers in Christ, those who can say, I've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. My hope right now is that the Holy Spirit has you ramped up and just itching to praise. Praising in your heart right now, praising in your mind right now, but just itching to respond in in praise and song, because I think the Apostle Paul, if we could sit down in front of him, that's what he would say is an entirely appropriate response. Praise to the glory of our great God. So my invitation for you is will you come and praise him now will you praise him today will you praise him this coming week would your life be a sacrifice of praise and worship to him out of the overflow of every spiritual blessing that he has given to you in christ will you praise god now some of us are listening to this and we uh can't say that i have been saved by grace through faith in christ Just to use the words that we talked about this morning, what you would say is this. One, I have never heard this word of truth before. Didn't grow up in church. Don't really know a lot about religious things in general or Christianity in particular. This gospel of your salvation, I don't know. So what I can tell you is this. I've just never believed in him. Some of us might be tuning in this morning, and what we can say is, yeah, yeah, I've got a little bit of a churchy kind of background fall a bit more into the de church category here. I've heard these words of truth. I've heard about this good news of salvation, but I have never believed in him. Placed faith in the Savior who can save me. My invitation for you is this. Will you come to Jesus this morning? As God is working in your heart, soul, and mind, convincing you of the truths that Christ alone can save and that you are a sinner who needs to be saved, will you believe in him for salvation? If that's you this morning, and God, the creator of the universe, is prompting you to respond in this way, my hope is that you will reach out to us in some way whether you have a friend who goes to Delta or whether you just randomly stumbled on this feed and you have no one to answer these questions, would you go to our website? Would you use the contact page? Would you reach out to us? We want to bend over backwards to listen to you, walk with you, answer questions so that you can come to the place where you can say, not only have I heard the word of truth, but I now believe in him we want to celebrate with you if that's you today i'm going to pray for us and then we will roll over into praising god through song so let's pray father would you do what only you can do which is draw us i ask that you would draw those of us who have believed in christ draw us to um, worship you would you draw those here who have yet to believe bring them to the place, Father, for your great glory and to the praise of your great name. Draw them to repent and believe, turn from sin, turn to Christ as their only hope of salvation. God, we ask you to do this for your great name. It's in the name of Christ, our resurrected King, I pray. Amen. Love you guys.